and good morning to you all. It's great to see you, and and after having such a, a warm welcome from <coughs> Brian and uh, Kim and <laughs> everybody, hope you're not disappointed. <laughs> um, now, um, uh, Andy, Andy's got my USB there, and Andy, there's just one photo, and it will be under the. Um, the title of Herod the Fox. If the rest of you would like to open your Bibles, please, to the book of Luke, chapter 13. <clears throat> and um, I, can only, I can only echo uh, the, the, the comments of Brian and Kim, you know. Uh, Kim said that she was upset this morning for some reason, but she's so glad she's here. And it is always such a joy to to come in contact with the saints. I mean, there's no better group of people than a group of saints. <clears throat> you could leave that off, actually, if you like, uh, for the time being. Thank you. Um, there, there's, no, there's no better <clears throat> uh, group of people than a group of, group of saints that are walking on in the way of the Lord. Now then, <clears throat> in, in the book of Luke, in chapter 13... <clears throat> By the way, have you heard the, the recent, relatively recent news from Africa, the, the fellowships over there, about the, the uh, revival in Zambia and also in Angola? Okay, that's good. <clears throat> um, uh, it, w- it would be... You haven't heard it? Well, okay then. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you haven't heard it because I, I thought that I was going to tell everybody that and, ins- and inspire them. <clears throat> and Caroline, you know, being a wet blanket. That you- <laughs> um, so what happened was, um, as you know, we've got a, a number of fellowships in Zambia and there, there was an outreach meeting uh, going on and, and uh, one day there were... Uh, this is about two weeks ago now, or maybe a little under, 14 people baptised and filled with the Holy Spirit in Zambia, and the meetings continued, and we were told just last weekend that that number now, from the outreach meetings, wherever they were being held, um, has now grown to 52 people baptised and spirit-filled. I mean, when, when we can get one person baptised and spirit-filled, we're all, you know, gleeful and, and so on. Uh, but, but they're doing going great guns. And they're also, um, one of the brothers in Zambia is actually from Angola on West Africa. So Zambia is Central Africa, roughly. And... Um, uh, he went back to Angola and preached the gospel and eight people were baptised and spirit-filled from his testimony. So we've got an out, uh, a fellowship in Angola now where we didn't have before. As far as uh, revival at home, well, um, they're a bit few and far between, but we uh, probably seven to eight weeks ago, a man called Tony, uh, Anthony, uh, received the Holy Spirit, was baptised in Morley. He and his wife and three children, they arrived about four months ago from Indonesia, where, you know, they're Indonesian people, and they're here for four years, and they were living just up the road from the hall, and they bent, went to a couple of places. Monica, 
the wife, she's already spirit-filled. Anthony was not, but he thought that he was okay. And they came to a meeting. We had a couple of sessions going over the scriptures. And in the end, he said to me, okay, I'm convinced. And he got baptised. And it took two weeks for him of praying, but he's received the Holy Spirit. So, you know, six weeks ago now, five weeks, something like that. And he's very, very happy about being in the Lord. So, so that's great. Now then, <clears throat> you're in the book of Luke. And the title of my talk is Herod the Fox, but then I've probably already given that away. Um, <clears throat> so, in Luke chapter 13 and verse 31. The same day there came certain of the Pharisees saying to him, Get out, get you out, and depart, for Herod will kill you. And he said to them, Go you and tell that fox, Behold, I cast out devils and do cures today and to- tomorrow, and the third day I shall be perfected. Nevertheless, I must walk today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet perish out of Jerusalem. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, which killed the prophets and stoned them that are sent to you, how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen does gather her brood under her wings, and you would not. Behold, your house is left Unto you desolate, and verily I say to you, you shall not see me until the time uh, when you shall say, Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Now then, I've said the title of the talk is Herod the Fox, and we have just read what the Lord said in verse 32. Go and tell that fox, and he was referring to Herod. Well, there are many species of fox or subspecies of fox that are uh, scattered through Europe, the, the northern hemisphere generally, Europe, North America, uh, parts of Asia, and the, the most predominant, um, as far as numbers are concerned and, and um, size, is the red fox. <clears throat> Do you know why it's called the red fox? Hey? What? That's right. Very quick. <laughs> it's because it's red. Now, the foxes here, um, they tend to be a bit more rusty, I think. Um, <clears throat> but the ones in the Northern Hemisphere and the ones that the Lord would have been talking about, go and tell that fox. Now, why was he called Herod the Fox or this particular Herod? Why was he called the fox? Go with me to the book of Revelation in chapter 12 and I'm going to take you through some scriptures and it will become evident why, and maybe towards the end, why he was referred to as the fox and you might even, if you've got a, um, <clears throat> you, might, you may even pick up on this early on in my talk, but <clears throat> why was Herod referred to as the fox? In Revelation chapter 12, and we're reading in Revelation, um, we can read in Revelation not only of the end times, you know, the, the time that's still in our future, of the return of the Lord, but we're also reading of things that are in our past. And, <clears throat> and the Lord uses 
this figurative sort of language to get across um, some deeper meanings. In chapter 12 and verse 1, And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she, being with child, cried, travailing in birth and pained to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven, and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all the nations with a rod of iron and her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. Now in those five verses we are reading about generally a lot of things. We're reading about it seems in verse 1 the description of the Israel nation. We're reading certainly about the devil. We're certainly reading about the birth of Jesus Christ. We're certainly reading about the millennial reign of Jesus Christ and his saints, uh, or the millennial reign of his resurrected saints. You know, in verse 5, the woman brought forth a man-child who was to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. That can only be talking about Jesus Christ, of course. But in those five verses, not only do we read of those particular things but it also gets across to us doesn't it it depicts this hatred and hostility that is exhibited by the devil towards Jesus Christ and God in heaven there's no doubt about that now why don't you turn with me and I'm just sort of giving a couple of scriptures to set the scene, if you like, a bit of a background. Turn to the book of Genesis, chapter 36. And that, when we were in the book of Luke, and we read about what the Pharisees said to Jesus, get out of town because Herod is going to kill you. Well, there are a number of Herods mentioned in the scriptures and in in the scriptures and there are six different Herods mentioned in the scriptures and it can become a little bit confusing so I just thought I if you weren't already aware at the time that Jesus Christ was born that was Herod the Great and Herod the Great was the first of those six Herods, and cumulatively they made up the Herodian dynasty. Um, there was, so there was Herod the Great. Herod had three sons. Archelaus, we don't read a great deal of him. He had another one called Antipas or Antipater. He's also referred to as Antipas the Tetrarch, but it's the one man. So Herod the Great had three sons, Archelaus, Antipas, and Philip. We don't read a great deal about Philip when he was a king, where Archelaus was a king of a section of Palestine, but in fact his rule was that corrupt that the Romans got rid of him after they installed him. 
And by the way, these six Herods who were kings, the other two was Antipas's son, Agrippa I, we've all heard of him, and Agrippa had a son, so Antipas's grandson, he was called Agrippa II. Not very original, but nevertheless, that's what they called him. <clears throat> I mean, who, who, who'd have a baby and call him Agrippa? <laughs> uh, <clears throat> no wonder they lost the war. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> now then, these kings, these kings, the Herodian dynasty, they were quite unlike the preceding kings of Israel because the kings of Israel were, um, you know, in the royal line, weren't they? They were descended from the, from the tribe of Judah or from Judah. But the, these Herodian kings, they were appointed by the Romans and removed by the Romans as well. Okay, now you're in... You're in Genesis, thank you, chapter 36. I'm talking about Herod the fox. Why was Herod referred to as a fox? And um, we've already seen the great red dragon. We know that fo the foxes over the, up there, they were red. In Genesis chapter 36 and verse 1, now these are the generations of Esau, who is Edom. Now, Esau, we, we all know of Abraham who had Isaac and Isaac had Jacob and Esau, didn't he? And it was Jacob who was the youngest who tricked Esau, the eldest, out of his birthright and Esau hated him for it and I'm going to kill you, he said, and so on and so on. And so right then, back there, say 1,800 years BC, there was this hostility set up between Jacob and Esau. And we just read, Esau who is Edom. Now Esau means hairy and Edom means red. Turn with me to the book of Obadiah. Now, you might think, oh gosh, where is Obadiah? Well, it's just tucked away in between Amos and Jonah. So it's, it's worthwhile remembering that this animosity, and I haven't, we haven't read about, oh, I should have read some more verses. You, you go to Obadiah. I'm just going to read a couple of other verses out of Genesis chapter 36, if you don't mind. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> just, just listen to this. In, in verse 8, Thus dwelt Esau in Mount Seir. Esau is Edom. It emphasised again. And these are the generations of Esau, the father of the Edomites, in Mount Seir. Now then, so we've established that the Esauites, or we, we know that Esau hated Jacob. We know that Jacob inherited the blessings, the birthright promises from God, that he was going to be the father of 
well, Abraham is going to be the father of many nations, but, but down through the line that the blessing of God was going to be upon Jacob and his descendants in the natural sense and the spiritual sense. We see that Edom is now called uh, Esau, which is now called Edom, meaning red, was in fact in opposition. And you're in the book of Obadiah, and we read in verse 1, and Obadiah, by the way, is talking about 600 BC. So there's a, a big gap between Esau and Jacob and Obadiah speaking, you know, 1,000, 1,200 years. The vision of Obadiah, thus says the Lord God concerning Edom, we have heard a rumour from the Lord and an ambassador is sent among the heathen, arise you and let us rise up against her in battle, against Edom. Behold, I have made you small among the heathen. You are greatly despised. And in verse 9, And your mighty men, O Teman, shall be dismayed to the end that every one of the Mount of Esau may be cut off by slaughter. For your violence against your brother Jacob, shame shall cover you and you shall be cut off forever. And so... There was that animosity back there in 1800 BC. We see the animosity, it seems, to be spoken of and highlighted some 1,200 years later, about 600 BC. <clears throat> now, can you put that picture up there, please, Andy? Um, <clears throat> you can see, obviously, Palestine on the left-hand side. There's the Mediterranean Ocean. There's the Kingdom of Israel. You can see Jerusalem... Um, so you know where you are and you can see the yellow patch down at the bottom that's the kingdom of Edom <clears throat> that area there the Nabatu tribes the Nabatu tribes are in fact they're also referred to as the Nabataean people just hang on to that um, <clears throat> you can see that the kingdom of Edom those people settled around uh, on the southern on the southern end of um, southern end of uh, of Israel now then <clears throat> i want another scripture by the way <clears throat> before we go to another scripture <clears throat> when when the romans were in control of that area. When Jesus was walking around and Herod Antipas was the king, it was the Romans that installed Herod Antipas as the king. It was the Romans that had that area. Now then, before the Roman Empire, of course, was the Greek Empire. And the Edomite people were there, obviously, well not obviously, the Edomite people, they had existed for a long time before the Greeks just came in and took it over because the Edomite or the Esauite people were there back from the days of Jacob and Esau. Now, if you go with me to <clears throat> Matthew chapter 2, 
and I'm just going to start pulling a few different bits and pieces together now and hopefully making a, a, uh, <clears throat> a picture for you with the scriptures, with history. The kingdom of Edom, which had existed for a long time, the Edomite people had existed for a long time, the Greek empire, when they took over, they called that area, Kingdom of Edom, they called it Idumea. And the people that came from Idumea were Idumean. Now you're in Matthew chapter 2. The Lord had been born as a child upon the earth and we see that Herod, the king at the time, was the father of Herod the fox that we've read of. This was Herod the Great. And in Matthew chapter 2, And verse 16, Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wrath and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and in all the coasts thereof from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. I was reading about this incident Uh, And, uh, well, I mean, it's a long time ago now, 2,000 years, but I was reading about this incident the other day and apparently it is estimated that there were up to 40,000 male infants killed because Herod the Great, who was, is well known as being an Idumean. Did you know that? Okay. Herod the Great was an Idumean. Or he was an Edomite and he was red, if you like. He was of the red people. He was a descendant of Esau. Have a look again in, um, in the book of Psalms 83. Uh, another in- interesting and confirmatory scripture of this hostility that we read about. In the book of Revelation in chapter 12, we read about this hostility in Obadiah that had been expressed between Esau and Jacob. And we read here, we've just read of the, of the, uh, of the hatred or the threat posed by Jesus Christ born to Herod the Great and in Psalm 83, I'll read a couple of verses to you. In verse 1, Keep not you silence, O God, hold not your peace, and be not still, O God. For lo, your enemies make a tumult, and they that hate you have lifted up their head. They have taken crafty counsel against your people and consulted against your hidden ones. They have said, come and let us cut them off from being a nation that the name of Israel may be no more in remembrance. For they have consulted together with one consent. They are confederate against you, the tabernacles of Edom and the Ishmaelites of Moab and the Hagarenes. And so... Edom, again mentioned, the tabernacles of Edom, the the dwelling places of the Edomite people or the red people or the Idumean people. They are against God's people. And so it's a pattern that has been um, fulfilled or, or a pattern that has been 
continually played down through time, that this hostility is there. Now go with me uh, back up into the New Testament. We've read in Matthew chapter 20, Matthew chapter 2, of course, of the massacre of Herod the Great or by Herod the Great. But in Luke chapter 23... And remember, Herod the Great, he died and lost lost his kingship at least, but he died not long after Jesus Christ was born onto the earth. I think Jesus Christ was born about 4 BC, that's reckoned. <clears throat> Herod the Great stopped being king after then, a few years, but not many years. And so what we're reading of here in Luke chapter 23, and, uh, oh, I need to get to the right book, don't I? It was Herod, by the way, Herod the Idumean, that... <clears throat> As those people, the Edomite people, they actually came up into southern, southern uh, Palestine over the years because it was the Nabataean people that started warring against the Edomites and the Edomite people were pushed up into southern Palestine or southern Israel and <coughs> it was... Certainly many of them, particularly, or not particularly, but Herod the Great was one of them that took on the Jewish religion. He claimed to be a Jew and adopted the Jewish practices, but in actual fact he was an Egemean. He was a descendant of Edom, a descendant of Esau. And I think we've seen that fairly clearly from the scriptures in Luke Chapter 23 and verse 1. And the whole multitude of them arose and led him to Pilate. That's Jesus being led to Pilate. Verse 4. Then said Pilate to the chief priests and to the people, I find no fault in this man. And they were the more fierce, saying, He stirs up the people, teaching throughout all Jewry, beginning from Galilee to this place. So, but this is Pilate speaking here. This is not one of the Herods, but just bear with me. When Pilate heard of Galilee, he asked whether the man was a, were a Galilean. And as soon as he knew that he belonged unto Herod's jurisdiction, this is Herod Antipas, he sent him to Herod, who himself also was at Jerusalem at that time. And when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceeding glad, for he was desirous to see him of a long season, because he had heard many things of him, and he hoped to have seen some miracle done by him. Verse 10, And the chief priests and scribes stood and vehemently accused him. The chief priests, of course, were the Jews. <coughs> Excuse me. And Herod, with his men of war, set him at naught, and mocked him, and arrayed him in a gorgeous robe, and sent him again to Pilate. And the same day Pilate and Herod were made friends together, for before they were at enmity between themselves. And so it's obvious then that Herod, Antipas, the son 
of Herod the Great. He was a co-conspirator with Pilate in the death of Jesus Christ. Have a look in the book of Mark, chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, and uh, we're reading here, we're reading about John the Baptist here. In verse 17, for Herod himself, this is Antipas, for Herod himself had sent forth and lay hold upon John and bound him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife. So there's Philip mentioned here, another son of Herod the Great, for he had married her. In verse um, 27, And immediately the king sent an executioner and commanded his head to be brought, and he went and beheaded him in the prison. So Herod Antipas, who was a descendant, of course, of the Idumeans, who was a descendant of the Edomite people, had John the Baptist killed. Have a look in the book of Acts, chapter 12. And verse 1, now about that time Herod, this is Herod Antipas again, the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. So the Holy Ghost had obviously been given and he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And so Herod Antipas, he, this is Herod Antipas, the one that was referred to as the fox, he had James, the saint, killed. Have a look in the book of Romans in chapter 9. By the way, Brian, are you taking communion? Thank you very much. In Romans chapter 9, now here's what Paul has to say. He is writing... Uh, obviously, well and truly, after the day of Pentecost, he's writing to us, the spirit-filled people. But look what he says here. Chapter 9 and verse 9. For this is the word of, of promise. At this time will I come and Sarah shall have a son. Oh, he's, he's talking back, we're referring to in the days of Abraham. And not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one, even by our father Isaac... For the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God, according to the election, might stand, not of works, but of him that calls. It was said to her, the elder shall serve the younger. Esau would serve Jacob. Esau became Edom. Edom is red. As it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. Now, isn't that amazing that we read here what God says, I hate Esau. I hate Esau and, and his following. I hate the Edomites. I hate the Idumeans. But we can see, can we not? We can see 
that that pattern, and I've read a few incidents, referred to them back in in Genesis, the animosity between Esau and Jacob. I've referred to it in Obadiah. I've referred to it in Psalms. That down through history you can see that there is a certain type of person, there were certain peoples that had it in for God and Jesus Christ and his people generally. When we read back there in the book of Revelation in chapter 12 that spoke of these sort of broad situations, but we certainly saw the hostility and the hatred directed towards God and Jesus Christ. Now, if you would go back, go with me again, please, to the book of Luke, where we started from in Luke chapter 13. Well, <clears throat> I was going to say I'm sorry to make you keep on ducking around the scriptures, but I'm not actually sorry because um, <clears throat> uh, it's interesting, isn't it, to see how... The scriptures by themselves, in their isolation, they, they, they don't, they're not uh, irrelevant, they're scripture. But when they're not in isolation, when you bring them together, it sort of creates high points and you can see a pattern that is well worth while us reading. And in Luke chapter 13... Where are we? Oh. I get myself confused. I turn to the wrong book and start looking at the... I turn to the wrong book but get to the right chapter and the right verse and then I see words that I just didn't, shouldn't be reading and I start to panic. It's called the, 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 the preacher's nightmare, I think. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and think, what am I going to say now? I didn't want to read that. <clears throat> it's all falling apart. <laughs> So let's just come back to what we read initially. In verse 31, the same, day, the same day there came certain of the Pharisees saying to him, get you out and depart for Herod, Herod the Great will kill you. And he said to them, go and tell that fox. And so why was Herod referred to as a fox? Because he was red, because he was Idumean, because he was an Idumite, because he was a relation or a descendant of the Esau-type peoples. The Esau-type peoples that had this hatred and hostility towards God and God's anointed people. And more importantly, or not, not more importantly, but just as importantly, he said... Go you and tell that fox, behold, I cast out devils and I do cures today and tomorrow. So Jesus Christ said, you go and tell that fox, I'm identifying that fox over there, and you go and tell him for two days, I'm going to do cures. Now, we have all read before what we read up in Peter, haven't we, that a day with the Lord is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as a day. We know, don't we? that from Adam to Jesus Christ was it 4,000 years. We know that from Jesus Christ or the, from Jesus Christ until today is very close to 2,000 years or two days. And we know 
that that from the day of Pentecost, when was it? About 30 AD up until now. It's about, um, oh, I did work out how many years it is. What is it? Come on, Brian. Oh, Brian, don't, don't just spoil the meeting because you can't just snap to it like that. I've put in all this work, Brian. Now, so from 30 AD to now, how many years? Thank you very much. How many? 1,993 years since the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. You only just saved the meeting then, Brian. Um, uh, So 1,993 years, or very close to 2,000 years. And Jesus said, go and tell that fox, you know, that my plan is going to happen anyway, whether you're identified as being red or not. But you can go and tell him that I will do cures today and tomorrow and for two days or for 2,000 years there are going to be miracles. There are going to be people being filled with the Holy Ghost. There are going to be people over in Angola getting baptised and filled with the Holy Spirit two weeks ago. There are going to be people in Zambia. And by the way, did you know that the Zambia Fellowship started with us, well, our fellowship, but there was a young woman, Eunice Mumbui, about 15 years ago, in Perth, as a student, got baptised and filled with the Holy Spirit in Morley. I mean, so what? Morley's nothing. We're nothing. But God filled her with the Holy Spirit, and after a year, she went back to Zambia, and I gave her some pamphlets and, and so on and so on, and I pointed out the salvation scriptures, and she went back and spoke to somebody who contacted Pastor Brian Allen over in Mount Gambia. And when he was next over there, he went over there and just preached the gospel a little bit more, along with Eunice, and uh, and now we've got, I think, 1,600 or so bat- people baptised and spirit-filled in the Copper Belt in Zambia. Oh, wonderful, isn't it? What God's... When, it's not us. It's not revival fellowship. It's God's word being preached. Repentance, baptism, receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. And despite the opposition to God, the devil, the red people, Jesus said, look, don't worry... And the third day I shall be perfected. And the third day Jesus Christ, yes, was he referring to him being rising from the dead? Was he referring to the millennial reign? Well, it may well have been both. Jesus Christ was raised from the dead on the third day. We know that on the third day, or, you know, 2,000 2000 years of the gospel age, and the third day, the third thousand year period is going to be the resurrection don't we know that and we're going to be part of it um and the third day i shall be perfected so no wonder jesus christ identified herod antipas as that fox because he was just continuing a line of identifying the opposition to God, the hatred directed towards God by the devil and the devil's, uh, um, you know, followers and so on and so on. But nevertheless, God, Jesus Christ said, my plan is going to work anyway, despite what Herod the fox says, despite what the mockers and scoffers of, it, of this life say to us today, 
God is going to fulfill his plan and thank God we're part of it. We're baptised, we're filled with the Holy Ghost. We don't belong to the mockers and scoffers. We don't belong to the Edomite or the Idumean people who are directly opposed to the work of God, but we are involved in the work of God and we're privileged to be involved in the work of God and we're happy to be involved in the work of God. So there's Herod the fox and all the people said. Okay, well, we'll leave the scriptures there. Thank you.